0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dungeon Jedi Masters podcast season three, episode 12. Tegan, hello, how are you?
1: Uh, we're recording right before the 4th of July weekend, so looking forward to uh, the holidays, relaxation, and I'm probably gonna do another rewatch of Obi-Wan too.
0: Awesome, yeah, it was a great series, uh, great uh, man, that final episode, so good. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, definitely coming in here to that holiday weekend, and, and man, I feel like summer's just disappearing on us, but uh, hopefully. Everyone out there is enjoying it with some good uh, game time as well. So uh, today we have uh, Keith joining us for DM Spotlight. Uh, You probably know him from a lot of our campaigns we've done from Hunted, Invasion, and then talking about his new campaign, Stranded, uh, which is on Tegan's channel as well. So looking forward to that conversation here later. On the front end, of course, uh, make sure to check us out dungeonjedimasters.com for access to all of our great content, this podcast, uh, our YouTube channel for VODs of content and, and uh, helpful tips, tutorials, things like that on the system. Uh, you can also find us on instagram and uh, twitter for some uh, little freebie tidbits for the game and then our twitch channels of course for those live games when we play and lastly our patreon Uh, patreon is the best way to support the dungeon jedi masters and uh, doing so does come with some great benefits as well which we'll touch on here in a second Uh, but we do have uh, two new members
1: for the patreon Uh, tegan tell us about those two members Yeah, so uh, shout-outs to uh, our Tier 2 new member, Lee, uh, just joined up with us. Uh, A big shout-out to Candon, who's our our new Tier 3 member. Big thank you to both
0: of you for supporting us. So we appreciate uh, you two and everyone else that uh, is a member. It's it's just great to see that support. So both of you uh, will be getting access uh, time of this release on the episode here on the 5th uh, to our next Patreon release, which is one of those exclusive things that members get. And this one is the next chapter in sort of uh, kind of running a campaign, building a campaign series that I'm putting together. And this one will focus on random encounters and making them not so random um, and, and how they can really fit into the world and, and uh, have purpose uh, within your story or help add on to the story. So check that out on the 5th uh, with this episode outside of that as i mentioned youtube and twitch and things like that some of the other content that we have dungeon jedi masters theater vagrant freighters episode seven premiered last thursday if you haven't caught that yet and then next thursday on july 14th will be the finale of that series episode eight so be sure to keep an ear out for that one uh, great story really looking forward to seeing uh, you know have that uh, wrap up so check that out uh and then tegan Tonight, we've got an episode of Invasion and then uh, Keith's campaign Stranded the following week. So uh, touch on those.
1: Definitely, so uh, we're kicking off uh, tonight, episode 11 of Invasion uh, with my campaign. Uh, the nice thing too, is we're gonna be starting on uh, the third Patreon adventure. So if you've already picked up that adventure and read through it or haven't looked at it yet, uh, you can come see how it's played uh, with me and my crew. Uh, we started it up and they're gonna be uh, investigating uh, some rumors with a, a group called the Crusaders and who may or may not have a tie to these uh, Yuzon Vong invaders who are playing in the galaxy. So come uh, watch the crew unravel the. History. And if you like it, jump on the Patreon and run it with your crew. Awesome. And
0: that uh, tonight, 630 Eastern time on your channel. What's that again?
1: Definitely. So I'll be on my channel, uh, TeganJGaming uh, at Twitch.com. So join us, come hang out with us as we go through it. Uh, and then uh, that following Tuesday, too, you get to hear a little bit more about it uh, with uh, Keith here. But Keith will be DMing his campaign, Stranded, uh, which will be kicking off uh, the second episode uh, and diving in a little bit more to the lore of the planet.
0: Absolutely. Uh, looking forward to hearing more about that uh, here in a little bit. So keep an eye out for both of those. Uh, both Stranded is 630 Eastern as well, right? Yep, 630 Eastern, too. Awesome. OK, lots of great uh, Star Wars 5E content out there. Uh, So check that stuff out. I think that's everything on the front end for us. Uh, There are two new pieces of Star Wars 5e content. We have a new species and a new background. So Tegan, first tell us about that species, the Kifar.
1: Definitely. So the Kifar, they're going to be very familiar if you're a uh, Kulin Voss fan. Uh, He's on the Clone Wars uh, TV show. Uh, And if you're a Legends fan, they had a really cool Republic comic series with him. Uh, So if you wanted to play his species, now you can do it. Uh, I would Actually, I thought they already had him in there. So it's now great that we've got this one going. Uh, so this one uh, basically give you a little bit of a rundown of the Kifar species. Uh, if you play them with Star Wars 5 e you're gonna get your choice of choosing a plus two to either strength or dexterity. so giving you some a uh, lot of uh, flexibility with this. Uh, and kind of continue that flexibility trend, you get to choose between a plus one to wisdom or charisma. Uh, So this is gonna be a great one if you wanted to build uh, some type of a sentinel or a guardian or uh, any of the force casting ones, uh, just do that plus uh, two to your main attack stat as well as uh, your casting stat, Uh, but very flexible to pretty much any any class you want to run with the system. Overall though, uh, some things that uh, kind of stand out with the species. Uh, you've got Iron Will, uh, one of their attributes, which is going to allow you to have advantage on being charmed. Nimble Reflexes, uh, which is going to give you advantage on both uh, dexterity and intelligence saving throws against force powers. So that's, that's pretty, pretty nice there. So if you are going to be building a campaign where you know you're going to be dealing with uh, force users pretty often, this can be a good way to keep yourself from... Uh, Getting a uh, lightning or force lightning, or any intelligence saving throws too. So uh, some of the hallucination powers. Uh, also with this, you get tribal warrior, which is going to give you proficiency in two viable weapons of your choice. Could be a great way for a sentinel if you play that to get some uh, heavier weapons. Uh, you also get uh, the Galactic uh, Kiffar language, but the cool thing with this is you get the Kiffar heritage. Uh, if you guys are familiar with Kulan Voss, I, I, can't refer, I think he did this in the Clone Wars, uh, but for sure in the Old Republic comic. One of the big things with the Kifar is that they have like a little bit of a low-level natural uh, force sensitivity, uh, able to read kind of memories contained with inanimate objects. Uh, so this is kind of a cool way to bring that to life as well. Uh, and There's two different kind of heritages you can choose uh, for your Kifar if you decide to play it. Uh, if you go the paladin route, uh, these are kind of more warrior styles. Uh It's going to give you proficiency with both light and medium armor. Uh, so give you a little bit more protection there. Uh, you also get proficiency with the electro baton uh, and one blaster of your choice. Uh, so nice, uh, you get some better weapons, better armor, and you get proficiency in one of the following skills, uh, either insight, intimidation, perception, or survival. Uh, And then wrapping it up, too, you've got uh, the other choice you can choose is the sage, uh, which you get to learn and cast the force power telemetry, which allows you to kind of mimic that Kifar ability and kind of read these inanimate objects, uh, which is kind of a a forced version of identify, uh, which can get some cool flavor out of that as well. You Also, on a fifth level, you get the power uh, psychometry uh, as well, uh, once per long rest using wisdom or charisma as you're based at. So this is a cool one. Uh, Keelan Voss is a great character. So if you wanted to kind of build kind of in that vein, it's right up to you now. Uh, Written by a resident species person, Harrison.
0: Fantastic. Uh, Sounds like a lot of amazing features within that. So, and and again, yeah, kind of surprised that, uh, you know, his his, uh, species wasn't represented yet. So... All right. Uh the other piece uh, recent release is a new background the bodyguard, uh which another one that feels like, you know, probably would have existed but uh nevertheless here it is. So, uh you are a licensed bodyguard. Uh, you stand charged ready to protect uh whoever from any threat. Uh this comes with skill proficiencies, choices two of athletics, insight, investigation, or perception. You have proficiencies in a choice of demolition's kit, disguise kit, or security kit. You get a language of your choice, and then your starting equipment with this background is a set of clandestine clothes, a kit for your chosen tool proficiency, a trauma kit, and a belt pouch with 75 credits. Uh, The feature for the background, authorized violence. As a licensed professional, most law enforcement tend to turn a blind eye when you are involved in altercations. You are rarely detained due to wearing armor and wielding weaponry. In fact, while accompanying your client, it is typically socially acceptable for you to go both armed and armored uh for the background feats you can choose from the following brawny empathic investigator perceptive specialist linguist athlete or durable so some good choices there that fit beyond that there is then the uh, personality traits ideals bonds and flaws that go along with the background so uh, i've you know you wanted to play this bodyguard type uh here's the background for you so look that one up in the i assume this one will sit in the expanded content for now as well on the website and this was written by Billius bt so thank you to them for this new edition with that i think we can head into our interviews so here uh is keith we'll have a discussion with him and, and learn about his experience with tabletops and star wars 5e all right, everyone, we have Keith here with us. Keith, how are you doing today? I'm doing
2: great. Yourself?
0: Doing well. Glad to have you on the show.
1: Yeah, definitely. Beautiful uh, Friday afternoon. So Friday before a long holiday. You can't beat that. And it's really good to have you here, especially with uh, all the different campaigns you've been on for Dungeon Jedi Masters. It's fun to have you in the hot seat now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, definitely. We uh, The audience should be familiar with yourself, uh, you know, with uh, back in in. You know, the Spooners campaign, uh, kind of where everything started. Spooners hunted uh, in uh, Invasion, and then, uh, you know, we'll get to it. But uh, your own campaign, Stranded Here. So super excited to talk about that. Um, but uh, starting from the beginning, uh, Keith, tell us when you first got into tabletops in general. Uh, you know, was it, was it D&D, something else?
2: Yeah, so i kind of been a, a gamer most of my life, young age always played games. I never really got into uh, tabletops until I was probably in my 20s. A buddy of mine said, hey, you want to come join a a 4E session? And I was like, sure, I have no clue what that means, but it sounds fun. I like board games. And uh, so I went and I I ran a campaign with him and that was a ton of fun. And then, you know, we had kids and all that happened and we hadn't talked in a long time. And I was like, man, I really want to get back into D&D. And so I actually had seen, I think it was on Meetup. uh, uh, Tegan had posted a campaign and I forget the name of that first campaign. Um, And anyway, so we we met up at a local toy store and uh, uh, did that in person. And then I joined, I think uh, Flynn dropped off and joined the Spooners and uh, it took off from there. And so now we obviously do most of it remote now. So I'll enroll 20. And yeah, so
1: that's kind of how it all started.
0: So that was so not the Spooners, not Star Wars 5. But there was another game before that that
1: you had. Uh... Yeah, yeah i started up yeah. a second game and be- after we did the spooners uh so oh, on the right, opposite yeah. tuesday i had another star wars 5e game i don't know if i had i think it was chaos i don't remember i, can't remember what, I don't think i had a name for official name for that one yeah, uh, off week. i was <laughs> trying to remember myself yeah. I, don't, I think it was chaos or i didn't have a name so uh,
0: <laughs> man it that, that feels like so long ago you know the before times uh
2: yeah i was trying to think that might have been what almost three almost three years ago i guess oh, it's gotta be about that at least yeah, yeah. I mean, wow you know, okay. i feel
0: like we've been been in in this uh, pandemic stuff for that long if not so yeah super cool um you know it, it's it's always interesting to to hear um you know where people get their start and, and things like that so you said 4e and and so it's there and then into star wars 5e right it's pretty much been what you've been uh, cooking with yeah
2: yeah and so it was you know very easy transition the rules were pretty straightforward so uh yeah it was it was nice
1: i've been to check out for you and i know uh skill adventures are some big pieces uh, that you've taken from anything cool from 4e though, that you think people should check out
2: yeah so definitely uh skill adventures you know it, it's just a nice way to kind of you know get, work through it dynamically and do a little role playing through something instead of just uh, you know combat Um, But, you know, the other thing I really liked from 4e, and it's kind of hard to adapt to 5e, um, but the idea of minions. And so anyone who doesn't know what minions are, uh, they basically count as like a fourth of a a creature, at least in 4e, they counted as a fourth of a creature. And they don't have hit points. If you hit them with something, they just die. And they do like a static amount of low low damage. Um, So it's those situations where you're like, well, I want like the players to feel like they're fighting their way through like a, a horde of goblins. Um, but if I actually throw a horde of goblins at them, the players all die. <laughs> and so, and so then you can try to like go uh, and lower the level of them. And sometimes that gets weird. So minions was a really cool mechanic that, uh, you know, hopefully they bring back into 5e um, and, and flesh that out a little.
1: That was one of my favorites. I have a- Somewhat adapted it uh, from games here and there. Uh, if anybody, any viewer, I'm a huge Cold Wolf fan. I've mentioned it a ton of times, but they're doing a new book called Flea Mortals. Uh, and one of the things that they put out, I think, is a freebie to everybody, or it could be a freebie if you Kickstarter. I can't remember which one. Uh, but they have like really in depth rules for minions that I've been meaning to actually like put in place. And it's really oh, cool. Nice. It seems like and it's a nice way you can like take any block and make it mini nice too. Uh, and it's very applicable to Star Wars 5e too. So uh, it's been something I've been meaning to play around with. Since
2: it came out nice matt check that out
0: yeah and i know his i know colville's like basic conversation on minions there and, and it's great you know and i think from keith what you said with the 4e just throwing that stuff in there i mean i feel like you could just really just grab you know if, if you're stormtroopers or something you know throw them in um easy enough to do that because i think it's mechanically or whatever it's a little bit more of like that resource uh management or, or trying to deplete some of those resources and just you know shake things up but uh yeah because i i think sometimes uh you controlling that battlefield
1: can be can be challenging especially resource management one of the things that invasion that's been hard is you guys are all short rest casters now so it's like <laughs> need to get a quick breather and we're back up to 100 yeah <laughs> yeah
0: uh keith so you got into uh you know i think we're just kind of focused on um star wars 5e from this point but uh Remind us of, of your player in, uh, in those campaigns. What were your first uh, classes you chose, character
2: builds? So my, uh, the first character I built uh, was a guardian. Um, and I'm trying to think, uh, what was his archetype? Um, it was hmm. the
1: high ground archetype. Uh, Trakan or uh, Trakan.
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: Um, it
2: was the one that pushes people. Uh, and I apologize, I should know that. Um, yeah, but no, it was a, it was a guardian, uh, heavy fighter, front liner. Uh, his name was Knox and that was kind of my first character. And then, um, I really liked that, but I wanted to try the scholar and, uh, we also happened to need a pilot in the Spooner campaign. <laughs> so, um, although Flynn just came out of retirement, I think he hanged out in the back of the tank for that campaign. Um, <laughs> and so I went, um, scholar and I think it went the Explorer route. Um, and man, that I was also like on the on your character's name again. Um, yeah. I, th- I thought it went with another Z name. I, I, I tend to stick towards.
0: Yeah. But man, that character, I mean, I just remember like the the flexibility, the versatility of the Scholar, especially that archetype of it and being able to buff, you know, the party in wild ways, debuff the enemies mm-hmm. just, yeah. I mean, came in clutch a lot of times.
2: Yeah, if anyone hasn't tried the Scholar, um, actually, you guys did a video on the Scholar um, a while back. I remember, um, but if you haven't tried the Scholar, you you have to. It's such a fun class. It really is. If you if you like that support role, um, it's there's so many fantastic options. They did
1: amazing work with that. It's definitely one of my fun favorite ones. It's just so much you can do with it, and especially uh, with all the different reaction abilities you can stack up with it, and just kind of change the whole flow of the battle. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, and you can do so much, like you said, reactively, and, and you get two reactions with the Scholar, which is very uh, unique. And so you can just be like, no, that didn't happen anymore. No, you didn't miss. No, you didn't hit them. Like, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's just a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. So, you really, so you've so you played Scholar, Guardian, uh, either of those two your favorite, or is there any other classes uh, that, that would stick out beyond those? Oh, man. Um,
2: I, so many I, good choices kinda, yeah you know I tend to be more towards the melee side I think I enjoy that more I think from like a, maybe a creative perspective so Ping um, that was the uh, what was that invasion that character H- was hunted for
0: of, P- yeah, it was oh, Ping, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah. Yep.
2: it was uh, hunted that character was just a lot of fun it, it wasn't necessarily I, I'm not I don't really go with casters I, I tend to stay away from that um, but I'm really glad I, I I've made ping and and got to play him because it was a lot of fun. I don't know if I'd go a counselor again, just because I'm, that's not necessarily my forte. Uh, But ping was really a lot of fun and man. Well, now this is why I need to play more games. Uh, We got, we (laughs) got to get more sessions running here because uh, now I have dash. Um, (laughs) He's he's really a lot of fun too. So I don't know. I, I, I've never played a character I didn't like. (laughs) So that's hard. Um, And then of course, um, Dash is a uh, is the warrior um or the fighter i guess and uh the demolitionist so yeah they've all been so unique and, and a lot of fun and I try to challenge myself a little bit to try to play them in different ways and and so yeah
1: dash has been great but dropping some crazy damage with uh what's that cannon called the uh, rotator <laughs> cannon <of> yeah <the> <laughs> Yeah,
0: I mean, we talk about it all the time that the versatility in the system, you know, there's so much you can do, you know, in those builds and, and you know, you, you'll often not build the same character twice, things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, fantastic.
2: What I find really uh, interesting as I keep playing, and and part of it is get to play with more people and, and get more comfortable. But, you know, when I built Nox, I was just like, I don't know who Nox is. He just hits things with a sword, right? He's got a lightsaber and he smashes people on that. And then, as I kind of went through that, I kind of noticed myself evolving and being like, "No, now I have like a backstory, and I have like a theme, and like, and I really get into it, and I really start liking my characters." And, and so, I think as you play more, that kind of happens. But that's been really cool too.
0: So, it, with that, yeah, that, that's a great uh, you know discussion point. Now that you have that experience, you know, under your belt in in playing, uh, is that an approach you think you would would you feel it out as you play? Uh, is that your style to see what your player reacts to during play and builds who they are, or you're going to put more thought into that on the front end as well?
2: Yeah, that's, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, and now kind of on the other side, when you're a DM, it's just a little bit different because then you get, get to see kind of the players building out their backgrounds. And I've kind of come to the conclusion that a background is never finished. Like you can always add more. Um, So I try to flesh out like who they are and what they've done, but certainly like, I'm always looking for those opportunities. I'm like, nope, now this happened. (laughs) Like, now this is part of his story. And and I love that about, uh, you know, D&D in general or or, uh, Star Wars. Um, You know, it's just so much fun that way.
0: I saw a tweet the other day that was something on like uh, backstory, something like backstory is like what you did but then your campaign is what your character does and how you react to that or something It it was a little bit more eloquent than that but it's just something you know i'm certainly one of those those gms that um i don't mind uh i don't want to say i don't care but uh, as far as like when a character brings a heavy backstory right like to me that's a little bit more for you and how you are going to play your character i might pull some details out of that here and there but the length of that isn't going to matter to me um i'm more interested in what you do during the game and then that's my approach as well as a player is I oftentimes don't really show up with too much backstory. I'm gonna to react to the world and then, you know, if there's something that happens, okay, how does my character react to that? And then I can be like, and that's why, because back in my past I had this or that. So it's kind of that organic build is is my approach, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I can do a little mix of both on that. So I like to have a, a decent backstory, especially for what I'm doing. things i can got kind of to pull from uh, and look into, but I do like to evolve it on the fly too, especially just reacting and kind of bring it in. Uh, it's kind of the craziest of the world and kind of see how it twists and turns your character into it.
0: Yeah, we just talked about that too. Uh, Tegan, I think it was our last episode, you know, how you can utilize that stuff, uh, you know, that backstory content. So it, it is good to have it, um, you know, and and bring it in. Uh, so, Keith, uh, I think we could probably switch to, you know, some more conversation on, is this your first time GMing with uh, Stranded?
2: Well, this will be my second. So I we did start up a, a campaign. Um, actually, Tegan was in there and some of the other characters would, that you'd recognize was in there. I think Berger was in there. Um, and we, we played through a few sessions and that kind of fell apart and partially because some of the players moved and we had a lot of stuff going on for consistency. Was that Star Wars IV? that was Star Wars 5E. Um and I can't even recall what I called that campaign. I think it was um that might have been maybe that was called Chaos. That might have been called Chaos. Um but yeah, so we played through that and and I kind of got my feet wet in that and I made a ton of mistakes <laughs> and then, you know, kind of learned and so this is my second attempt attempt with uh Stranded.
0: Yeah, lots uh lots that you will learn along the way. I mean, I think that's uh when I when I decided to dive into it, it was just okay. That's really what you do. You dive in. So, so let's talk about some of those things you've learned. What uh, what have been some of those biggest things that you, you know, between those campaigns or that really have helped you for this next one?
2: Yeah. So there's two people I like to follow. I guess I'll do a shout out here Two people I like to follow on YouTube. So if you're a DM or a GM and, and you want to kind of get started, uh, we mentioned Matthew Colville, right? Like everyone should go and watch at least the first few running the game of his series. It's phenomenal. And then the other person um, is Ginny D, who is very, very different than Matthew Colville. Um, But also, I think she brings a really uh, interesting perspective. And, you know, one of the things, actually, I just watched uh, one of her videos and she was saying things that players want that, you know, and, and she does surveys or whatever. And one of them was basically like, don't beat yourself up. Like don't, as a GM, don't beat yourself up. Like you make mistakes and you, you overanalyze and you get very critical in yourself. And a lot of the time your players are still having fun. So if, you're, if they're having fun, just let it go. And I think that was the biggest takeaway is with my last campaign is when I made mistakes, I really got down on myself about it. And I was like, oh man, I'm jacking this up and I'm ruining the experience for everyone else. But then when I went and talked to everyone else, they're like, no, that was a lot of fun. Um, and, and so I, I say that's the biggest thing is just do it, and people will appreciate it. People appreciate the work you put in, and and as long as everyone's having fun at the table, you know that's the point. So
1: hundred percent, yeah. That's like the hardest, I think probably the hardest barrier with GMing. Because uh, it's something like, uh, still probably pops up for me every now and then, but I remember the Spooners campaign. It was definitely like, that was my first major campaign. Uh, any little thing that I got wrong or rules or just kind of RP moments, it would like, bug me for weeks. But uh, <laughs> it takes a while to get over that. But once you get over, it still even pop up. But once you kind of get past that, GMing becomes a ton of fun.
0: Yeah. You know, as a player in Spooners, uh, Tegan, as you say that, just kind of thinking of examples. I mean, you know, it was was quite a bit ago, but I honestly can't remember any moments where I was like, oh man, this was not fun or, you know, whatever, whatever. Like, oh man, the DM screwed up. Like, no, it was just, I think from the player side, I've been on the GM side so much now that, you know, that perspective has been kind of faded a little bit. Cause I, you know, it was just going to echo the same thing though. Like I had a session recently where I was just like, man, that just didn't hit for me. I just, I don't think it was great, but you know, talk to the players and, and uh, you know, they all had a good time. And I think that's another good point too, is talking to your players, you know, having that open level communication just come out. I, I really tried to do that uh, down the road or when I first was uh, getting started, at least of, of trying to actively seek out feedback, you know. How is this going for you all? Are you having good fun? Is there anything you want to change, improve, et cetera, et cetera? And, and uh, you know, as long as the players, you know, a message to the players as well, respond to that feedback or give feedback as well. I think that just helps everyone at the table have a better experience.
1: Yeah, I've, I've meant to do it for the invasion, but I usually try to do like every six sections or so, like a quick survey or quick thing through discord i need to do it for invasion i've been putting that off all week uh but uh, that's uh, just it's a it's been, uh, a quick there's players players to respond back to, to what's going on what they like what they don't
0: yeah and i think you know invasion for you tegan is you know players um you've played with before and i think that's the thing too is like i've i've started to play with people over and over again so that's you know maybe not as necessary probably still worthwhile to check in but i think you start to learn uh uh, other people's you know how they kind of enjoy the game and things like that but yeah uh, tell us about you know tell us a little bit more about the the campaign Keith though what is the premise here I think Tegan's touched on it a little bit from from his end But yeah, yeah give us a spiel
2: yeah, so I kind of wanted to start something uh, a little bit different. And, and actually, when I was thinking about this, I was like, well, I, I want to build like, um, I call it a world, but I, you know, I wanted to build this galaxy, right, that we could create campaigns in. And so I started this Google site. Um, and if anyone's interested, uh, it's public, go out and look at it. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and so I wanted to get back to the roots of kind of what you like, you know, that kind of traditional fantasy feel. And one of the things about Star Wars, um, the franchise that I kind of always wonder about is is they stay on this like same storyline, right? It's the same world, it's the same characters, but really the galaxy can be anything. And so I said, why not start with a clean slate? And so if you look at any like disaster movie, whether it's a zombie movie or whether it's weather or whatever, right? You just need something that's going to reset civilization and then you need a constant threat. And so I was actually reading uh, the New High Republic book. And when they were talking about, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's an event and uh, these objects come out of hyperspace and start destroying stuff. And I was like, man, that's like a really cool concept. I said, what if that happened on a massive scale? And so the what the premise of uh, Stranded starts as, um, or the rise of the Duanagan, and I'm probably butchering the name of that, but I'm going to stick with it. Um, is, uh, so the core, um, the inner core, um, something happens, don't know what happens. Um, and it creates this event that starts from, and it sends out this shockwave of objects, literally traveling through hyperspace. They come out of hyperspace and then they start striking planets and moons and bases, um, and causing mass destruction. All right. So the government has essentially fallen civilization has fallen in the galaxy. And so now how do these worlds pick up? And at that same time, when these worlds are trying to pull themselves together, uh, the Duanigan arrive. And the Duanigan, they're they're space dragons, right? In the lore, there isn't much written about them. I'm sure not a lot of people heard about them. And I found them because I was like, man, what if dragons showed up? And so I Googled Star Wars space dragons. (laughs) And they literally, I was like, oh, this is a thing. Um, And so, yeah, so they show up and they start attacking the remnants of civilization. Um, So 200 years pass. And, you know, there is no more, you know, there is no more public, there's no more empire, uh, there's no more major power bases that kind of hold the thing together and provide security for the galaxy. Um, and so the group kind of starts in that setting where they've grown up and they've lived there, um, unless they're, you know, they could be a species that has been alive for four or 500 years. So maybe that's not true. But generally, they've lived this entire of their life. This is what they know. And so they're on a ship called the Genesis, and they're uh, transporting a group of refugees from uh, one planet to another planet to hopefully repopulate that planet. And, and so I left that vague uh, because you can, if you want to run this campaign, you can do anything you want. Um, but for our sake, we were saying they were going to Tidoria or Toydaria. Um, and they got off course, uh, they crash land on this planet, um, and now they're stuck there. They don't know how to get off. The Genesis isn't flyable. It's not like they can just wait for someone to come and rescue them. Um, so what are they going to do and how are they going to survive? Uh, so it's a little bit, you know, a throwback. They, uh, you know, they're going to have to, you know, tra- travel the the world and, and deal with the wilderness and, and have some of those maybe aspects that you wouldn't get in a traditional Star Wars campaign.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Excellent concept there. I think, as you said, it definitely... A little different route than than probably what we're used to. Um, so we, I know you had session zero and one, uh, just one session so far.
2: Yep, yeah, we had session one on Tuesday.
0: Okay, so the twenty eighth there. So uh, on the twelfth July should be session two, right? Calendar is correct because Tegan, you have invasion next week on the fifth yeah. or fifth when this episode this yeah. episode airs on the fifth. So yeah, so the following week from this episode will be that next one. Awesome. I so being streamed. Uh, was there any approach? you know, did you approach that differently in anything as, as uh, you know, one year running the campaign, but then, you know, it is, it is streamed. Is there any, anything you uh, took into consideration there?
2: Not, not really. Um, I don't really think about it, to be honest with you. I, I think Probably the only difference, thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you get yourself in trouble and I, I will say um, I've become much more comfortable on camera, which from a professional standpoint, has actually been extremely uh, beneficial, you know, by just playing D and D yeah. and Star Wars. So um, I, the only big difference, in, and I got used to this because I play in, um, you know, a lot of campaigns and that are streamed with you and Tegan and is that I've gotten used to talking to the audience, which is weird. Um, but once you get used to that, it's okay. <laughs> so I've already kind of gotten used to that. So that didn't bug me at all. Um, but that's really the only transition. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I remember, you know, obviously the energy when you're in person at a table, like you just, you know, you can't, uh, mm-hmm. it, there's nothing like it. And then I remember when, Tegan, we didn't, we didn't stream any Spooners. I, I, I went back to look, and there, there wasn't any of that, I don't believe.
1: I couldn't remember if we did the finale. I oh, don't know, we didn't do the finale. I thought we were going, we were talked about it, but we never did the finale. I think yes. we
0: just, like, did, I think it was just online, like Roll20 locally, like Discord or whatever, you know. And, and, um, and then I did, so my, one. well, I, I did Living Force, which was off cam, The first one, Tegan, you were in, I think, for the beginning of that, right? Yep. And then, and then my next big one was um, Tempest Feud. And then after that, I was like, all right, I want to go to cameras now. I I want to try that out. Um, I needed to get over the hump myself to try that out and then have players comfortable. But it was just night and day difference, you know. Uh, There's just that it's obviously not the same as being at the table, but it. Brought back a lot of uh, that feeling there, being able to see each other, expressions. I love watching, you know, my players react. So you're able to do that. You know, it, it helps a little better with talking over each other, things like that. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, anyone out there, even if you're, you know, you're not even streaming, but if you're just playing online, you know, pull up the cameras uh, and and utilize that because I think it's uh, a, a big benefit to the experience.
1: Hundred percent. It makes it a lot easier just to kind of connect with everybody while everything's going down. So one thing I wanted to bring up, too, because you got some cool new rules for the system, too. Uh, I labeled the, the wilderness yeah. rule and then the reliability. Talk a little bit about those. Yeah. So as part of this
2: world, I, I, I kind of wanted to create something uh, that would give the feeling of, of the world. And, and so uh, the first one was reliability. And. These rules, they're probably going to need some tweaking, um, but, uh, but basically what re- reliability is, is you're using equipment that's really old, right? They're not making new speeders. They're not making new starships. Um, and so I wanted something to simulate that, you know, the unreliability of, of technology, you know, and so there are items and things in the world that will have the unreliable trait. And I've specifically told the players when something is, is unreliable. So it's not like that their their starting equipment isn't going to be unreliable. I didn't I didn't think that would be fair to the players um, because then no one would get a blaster, right? They'd be like, "Well, I don't want that. It's going to blow up on me." Um, and so they'll ha- so the first thing that the the players had was a speeder, and it was unreliable. And whenever you then use that, so they um, without giving too much away, if you ha- guys haven't watched it, you can go watch the the stream. But they travel to a site. Uh, And do some donuts and stuff and um, so (laughs) the uh, you know you just roll and it's just a straight uh, for every unreliable it is so if it's unreliable one it's one D one If it's unreliable five it's five. um, I'm sorry one D 10 and if it's unreliable five it's five D 10 and you roll them and anytime you roll a one something bad happens. Uh, and we haven't had that yet, but it essentially it'll be a second roll for every one, and it's going to be on a D100. Um, and if you roll low, you know, uh, you know, it might not work out. So that's just kind of how it'll work. And and there might be other things that are unreliable. Maybe you'll find a, a cache of grenades that are really old, and and so um, you know, you throw it, but then go ahead and go ahead and give me a D10. We're going to find out what happens. Um, right? And so it, it's just kind of that feel of, of the world isn't, you know, these are old equipment and old, old technologies, and maybe they're not as reliable as you think. So uh, that's kind of the the reliability rule. And then the the wilderness rule, and and this one is certainly a little clunky right now, and I kind of want to flesh it out. But what I'm trying to get at is when you traverse the wild and you're away from town and you're away from safety you're away from civilization um, and you know in, in traditional DD, i don't think they did a good job with this of like showing the danger you're in and not just the physical danger but the the wear and tear it takes from a mental standpoint also right when you're you're out and about and you're sleeping outside and you don't have food and etc cetera, etc cetera. and so what's like a nice clean way we can kind of simulate that to show that danger and then also make it uh, you know, um, you know, kind of ramp that up as you go, to kind of give some type of you know, um, uh, hype isn't the word, but you know what I'm saying, just to present some type of continuous danger that's going to continue to grow. And so I created wilderness. And so whenever you take a long break or you spend a night out in the wilderness, it's just a con check, and it's going to be uh, DC 15. Um, but there's ways you can make that easier, and then there might be things that make that more difficult. So, for instance, if you have food, a food supply, that'll bring it down. Um, if you run out of food or you have to hunt, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that might make it challenging. If it's cold and you don't have the proper equipment, that might make it harder. If you have a campsite, that might make it easier. And so that's just kind of a way to simulate that um, you kind of go through this journey and, and it gets progressively harder. And if you fail the con check, you get one level of exhaustion, right? So then as you continue to go through, it becomes kind of scary for your character. And now you might be five or six days out from <laughs> civilization going, uh, I got three levels of exhaustion, guys. I don't know. <laughs> I might not make it back. And so, um, no, I just thought that was kind of a nice way to kind of
1: show that. Yeah, I enjoy that one. And I love using exhaustion for things, too. So I've, I've been trying to use that more lately. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out, especially if we get, like, super far from the base camp. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah I, was, I was wanting something similar recently. I uh, in, in another system, Savage Worlds, they have a, a thing called Quick Encounters, uh, where it's, I don't know, skill check is the right uh, word for it. But one thing it does is it can simulate combat and you know it's really nice like okay you, you just you want the narration of a combat but you don't want to go through the the slog mm-hmm. of you know tournaments right so literally you just make a single roll and you see the effects there right so i think because of savage world system with how they do their target numbers and everything um it's a little bit uh it works better but uh you know i'm like all right i i want something like that in in 5e um you know i'm tossing some ideas around and but doing the exhaustion thing we're like okay so you just, you go in this little skirmish with some stormtroopers. y'all make a roll and here's how you fare. Right. And mm. the result is like exhaustion, I think is, is rather than like just the HP loss. Cause something that bothers me too is like, all right, we're just going to short a long rest, take care of the problem. Right. That it's so easy. Um, everybody anyway, cut, kind of wanted to get to here was so what is like, how do you manage that or deal with that in this wilderness that players aren't just like, we're just going to take a long rest and, and deal with that. Just not having that opportunity.
2: Yeah. Well, that's exactly it is. When you're in the wilderness and you take that long rest and you're like, okay, we're going to hang out for the day. You're like, okay, well, go ahead and give me a con check. And if you fail that con (laughs) check, then you don't get that exhaustion. That's okay. (laughs) So you start stacking up
1: on it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And
2: and so the players haven't experienced this yet, but I'm going to give them ways to make that easier. right? I'm going to say, okay, do you want to spend a day hunting and gathering food? And do you want to build a campsite? Sure. that'll lower the difficulty of that. And potentially maybe you can reduce that exhaustion. Right. But I was like, or you can still fail that contract. Even if it's a five, (laughs) you can still (laughs) not want it. So you guys want to stay for three more days and do that? Okay, well, give me three three D20s and we'll see what happens. And so I, I thought that was kind of a nice way to kind of try to balance that a little bit.
0: Yeah. uh, Great, great system there, Keith. Uh, you know, maybe something we'll bring into, uh, to some content and get out there to, to the community so that they can play with it themselves. Cause I think uh, it definitely adds a lot of flavor to it.
2: Absolutely. And and the one thing that this is going to give it away a little bit for the, for, for Tegan and the other players, but reliable and wilderness kind of go hand in hand a little bit because in a speeder, you can travel a great distance very quickly. Right. And I figure about, you know, say 50 miles. Well, that's still like Two days of walking right and so you could travel and you're just going on a four hour journey your speeder breaks down that's an eight eight day walk back <laughs> so um you know i think those uh kind of play together pretty well so we'll see if that happens um we'll see if the the players get unlucky with that but should be fun
1: driving i'm sure it will happen <laughs> so I'm sure.
2: oh yeah the crazy robot i was trying to help him so much and he was just bound i was like all right well <laughs>
0: Yeah, you gotta have a little chaos. You gotta have yeah. a little chaos. So. Yeah. Awesome, uh, Keith. Well, I think that's where we'll wrap up. Uh, great note to end on there. Uh, great conversation overall. You know, looking forward to continuing to watch uh, that series and uh, you know the other content that you're in as well. So uh, we really appreciate uh, your time and and uh, you know hope to maybe we'll do a wrap up after the end of the the campaign and and see how that went as well. So.
2: Absolutely, and and actually, I gotta say thank you to both you guys. I, if anyone doesn't know, you guys are a tremendous uh, asset to this community and, and help kind of hold us together. So I just wanted to say thank you to both of you. Uh, you do tremendous work, and and I'm appreciative. So,
1: oh, thanks,
0: man. Yeah, appreciate it very much. So we we enjoy it, and it's it's great to hear that stuff because it you know it puts some merit to what we're doing. So, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks again. We'll uh, talk to you again
2: soon. All right. Guess have a good one.
0: All right, uh, such a great conversation with Keith uh, you know it's, it's been always fun to play with him, the few times that we have uh, so super great to, to hear from him and, as we said, hope to have him on again, maybe as a recap for stranded or any future projects uh, tegan for the next episode we're going to touch on uh, maneuvers it sounds like
1: there was a big update to that. Definitely, so we talked, I've uh, mentioned it before, but yeah, we did a, they did an overhaul of the maneuver system. Uh, we're gonna go over how that works, call out some of the cool new maneuvers that were added in and uh, just some of the major differences between how they were handled before and what's now and kind of how you really can customize out and build the flavor character you want with these new resources
0: very cool yeah looking forward to that one so that'll be out in a couple weeks uh from this episode keep an eye out for that uh in the meantime uh we hope that you have uh great roles at your table within that galaxy and uh, we will see you on the next one may the force be with
1: you May the force be with you